today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Elcanta. God the Father will judge impartially all you do. Now, the emphasis is His judgment in eternity. Meaning, thinking about the future, remember that God the Father can't be bribed. He can't be bribed. He cannot be bought. He judges impartially. He sees all you've done. Think about that. Think about how that judgment will shape your eternal life. Open God, oh my soul. He is strong and he is strong to save. Open God, he's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. All throughout the Bible, there is an emphasis on having an eternal perspective and living in light of eternity. Some have said that you can be too heavenly-minded to be any earthly good. The Bible teaches, however, that the more heavenly-minded you are, the more focused you'll be in furthering God's kingdom on earth. Pastor Ricky will be exhorting us today to live our life as though we can come face-to-face with God at any moment. Go into eternity without having any regrets. Well, let's join Pastor Ricky for his continuing message entitled, Holiness is the Result of Hope. Now, I want you to imagine what prison would be like for this this man, Chuck Colson. I mean, he's used to being around powerful people every day, and all of a sudden, he's waking up every day in a prison. He doesn't want to be there. He's living for when he gets out of prison. So, obviously, instead of getting caught up in any bad activities or influenced by bad people in prison, he begins sharing the gospel with people. He begins going to, to, to services that are held in prison, and he knew that he was a temporary exile from his own home, from his family, from his wife while he was there. But here's what's surprising. Once he got out of prison, he realized that he was still in exile. Once he got out of prison, he realized that his old life, filled with powerful people in Washington, all the, the, the brokering and maneuverings, but all of the stuff related to his well-regarded law practice, all of the stuff related to these friends and people and things that he used to care about so much, he realized he didn't care about them anymore. He didn't wake up longing for position anymore. He didn't wake up longing for the things of his old life anymore. He could have gone back to the Washington world. He especially could have made a lot of money writing a juicy tell-all piece about the Nixon administration like a lot of people did. But he wrote a book, and the book was a tell-all about his conversion to Christ. His old life had nothing that he wanted anymore. And he embraced his identity as an exile. That out of prison even, he wasn't home. He was headed home. And he began what's called Prison Fellowship, one of the most powerful outreaches to prisoners in modern history that has gone across the U.S. into many countries in the world, started many other ministries and initiatives, and in essence, Chuck Colson left behind the things of his old life and said, that stuff has nothing for me. I want what only Jesus can give me. And the trajectory of his life was changed. In essence, Peter is encouraging us to do the same. He's encouraging us to look at our old life and say, don't get re-squeezed into the stuff of your old life. 
For Colson, it was don't get re-squeezed back into those political maneuverings, those power struggles, that money, the glamour. Don't get re-squeezed into that. For you, it, it maybe is something else. Don't fall back into the sins that you've been rescued from. But do set your hope in Jesus. Do begin to live in such a way that doesn't make sense to people around you. When, when Chuck Colson began doing this, the people, some of the people around him thought, this is insane. What is he doing? He's left all of these powerful things. He could easily get back into that world. He has a, I mean, he had an amazing mind. He had an amazing knack for this kind of thing. He threw it away and said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to spend my time in prisons telling people about Jesus. He set his hope on God. So here's my question for you today. Would someone look at your life and see a life set fully on the grace that will appear when Jesus returns? Would someone look at your life and think, man, there is something unexplainable about this person. They act like this world doesn't have anything that they want. They act like they're living for something else that I don't understand. That's Peter's charge. Set our hope fully on the return of Jesus Christ. But then Peter gives us two reasons in particular to support kind of this charge. Peter made his point, but he wants to underline it and not just underline it once, he wants to underline it kind of twice. When you're reading a book and you think that's good and then sometimes you underline it and say, that's really good, yes. I love to get books that my dad has read because he loves to underline stuff and I could totally tell what's made an impact on him because he's like got a line and a star and a thing and like another thing and a bracket. I'm like, wow, this is really stuff. That's what Peter's doing. He's saying, okay, see that? Set your hope fully. I'm gonna give you a reason. I'm gonna give you another reason. I'm gonna explain it. Do you see this? Here's what he says. Two things. First thing he says is this. Life is short. Eternity is long. Verse 17 says, If you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Now, there are two elements that are suggesting eternity to me. The first is the reminder that God the Father will judge impartially all you do. Now, the emphasis is his judgment in eternity. Meaning, thinking about the future, remember that God the Father can't be bribed. He can't be bribed. He cannot be bought. He judges impartially. He sees all you've done. Think about that. Think about how that judgment will shape your eternal life. The second thing that suggests eternity is a reminder of the exile, a, a reminder that these Christians are not living in their true home, but that their true home is with God in eternity. And so life is short, he says, set your hope fully on the grace of Jesus Christ because eternity is a long time. Now, I'm going to talk briefly about immorality here, but I'm going to guard my words because I know we've got some younger ears in here, but I think we have to talk about this because I think this will be the defining struggle of my generation in particular. Among young adults age 18 to 29 who profess to be evangelicals and who profess that they want to save intimacy for marriage, okay? Many of them want to save intimacy for marriage. Among that group, 80% have already fallen into some sort of sin. That's four out of five people. 60% of them within the last year 
and 40% of them were in a current relationship defined by some degree of sin in that area. Now, this is, this is not unique, though, among that age group. That's a large, this, this is reflecting a larger trend among those who consider themselves Christians of every age group, from teenagers to people, friends, in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. Now, God has laid out in Genesis 2 and Ephesians 5 that the expression of, of, of even what God calls beautiful freedom in intimacy should occur in marriage between one man and one woman. Holiness means protecting and promoting what God has laid out and that purity in this area looks like living for the picture of Christ and the church laid out in Ephesians 5 where, where God says that, that, Christ and, that, that marriage itself, human marriage, is a picture of Christ and the church, that Christ looks like the husband and the church looks like uh, the wife and that together, Revelation pictures the uniting of Christ and the church like a wedding. And so God is saying, I've, I've embedded something beautiful and precious and amazing in marriage. That's essentially the lie. The lie is that if you don't act in this way, you're going to miss out. But Peter says, listen, life is short. Eternity is long. Sin is fleeting. But your inheritance is permanent. It's undefiled. It's unfading. It's kept in heaven for you. So when you stare at that website that says, life is short, have an affair, you can respond with, life is short, I want something better than an affair, right? In the case of pornography, which is an issue that both men and women wrestle with, the lie is that if I do not experience this pleasure at this moment, I'm going to die. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not going to be fulfilled. But Peter would say, friend, life is short Eternity is long, sin is fleeting, but your inheritance is permanent. Turn away. Turn off the computer. Turn off the phone. Turn away. This even kind of influences issues that surround the, the, the kind of the, the topic of sexuality. And I'm just going to throw, I'm just going to go out on a limb here and talk about modesty for like 30 seconds, okay? While both men and women can wrestle with this, and I mean that, because you all, we all know that one guy that wears like cutoff shirts and you're like, dude, come on. Like we are in a restaurant, you know? So come on guys. Um, both men and women can wrestle with this. It's often a particular temptation for women. And the lie is this. The lie is if you dress in a revealing way, you will get the attention that you need, that you crave, that you must have in order to be fulfilled, Right? I have three sisters, and listen, I hope you receive this as an exhortation from a brother. Life is short, eternity is long, and you will never find in the glance or conversation of a man what your heavenly Father cannot give you truer, deeper, and better. And listen, this, this isn't just related to this issue of, of sexuality. The logic of this can be applied to, to any area. If you struggle, struggle with anger, perhaps it's because you want something so badly at this moment that you're going to swing your fists or yell to get it. But Peter reminds you, no, you don't ultimately want that thing that you think you do so badly. What you want is in eternity. There's no reason to yell or swing your fists. If you struggle with greed or materialism, Maybe it's because you believe that something in exile will make you happy when really only what's in eternity will make you full of joy and satisfied forever. So ask this question. 
Think of an area in your mind where you struggle with a sin, okay? Maybe it's an area that, that is a, a deep area that you've struggled for years with, or maybe it's a current issue that you just can't seem to break free from, or maybe it's a private thing that you've never told anyone about. Ask these two questions. How is this sin lying to me? I will guarantee you this. Sin never delivers what it promises. It never does. It will never deeply satisfy you. It will never deeply fulfill you, and that's the truth. How is your sin lying to you? And figuring that out will help sin lose some of its power. If you can tell you, if you can figure out what's the lie that I'm buying when I do this, it helps. The second thing to do is go, okay, well, what changes if eternity is what matters? It will rob that sin of whatever power it has and will encourage you to set your hope fully on the grace of Jesus Christ. That's the first reason that Peter gives. Life is short, eternity is long. Second is this, life is short, Christ is precious. Verse 18 says this, do this knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Now, Peter totally switches tactics here, and maybe you're thinking, okay, what does this have to do with hope and holiness? He says that one of the reasons we should pursue holiness and put our hope in Jesus is that who Jesus is and what Jesus has done is so incredibly precious. In other words, by showing these Christians how costly it was for God to purchase this hope that they have, he wants them to say, how can I turn away from the hope that Christ so dearly bought for me? The hope is precious, not just because it is precious, although it is in it of itself precious. The hope is especially precious because of what was given to purchase it for us. Listen to how it was obtained. It was obtained not with perishable things of this world. It means that God didn't just kind of give some money or give something else or give up a mountain or kind of take out of the galaxy or do something in creation, anything in creation to do this. No, he gave the precious blood of Christ. The image here is that, that Christ was like a sacrificial lamb in the Old Testament who was given to bear the sins of the people. It was obtained with the blood of Christ. And why was this so precious? Well, it's precious because of who Jesus was. Jesus never sinned. He was the only perfectly holy human being to ever live. He was the only one to fully set his hope on God. But he gave himself and his blood for us. When God looked down on him on the cross, where he once had seen his reflection in Jesus, his, his holiness, and rejoiced, God looked down and looked on him as if he bore our unholiness. And he punished Christ as if he were us. And all of our unholiness was laid on him, and the God who judges justly judged. And this Jesus was not just a man, Peter says. He was foreknown from the foundation of the world. 
He was fully one with God the Father, fully one with God the Spirit. He was in perfect fellowship and communion with God. This was not a stranger to God. This was God's own Son. So when Christ's blood was shed, it was, in a sense, God's very own blood offered up for us so that people who had no hope could have hope, both in this life and the life to come. And Peter says, do you see how incredibly precious the blood of Jesus is that bought this hope to you? Don't believe the lies of sin. Set your hope on Christ. At the end of the movie, Saving Private Ryan, there's a gut-wrenching scene, if you've seen the movie, where one of the characters gives his life for another soldier. And as he's dying, he grabs the soldier that's going to live and, and kind of locks eyes with him and says, earn this. And then the scene cuts to that same soldier who was saved years and years and years later at the grave of his friend, and the soldier begins weeping, and his wife is with him, and he turns to his wife and says, tell me I've lived a good life. Tell me I've lived a good life. Because in light of what his friend had done for him, he understood that his life was precious, and he was, in essence, begging his wife to confirm, have I, have I done something with it? Have I not wasted it? And in some ways... That's what we're talking about here. But in another important way, that's the exact opposite of what we're talking about here. Jesus does not give us his life and say, earn this. Jesus went to the cross and bore the wrath of God freely, without compulsion, for us, and he does not then turn to us and ask us to earn anything or to labor under a weight of guilt. Instead, he turns to us and says, it's finished. Every sin, every fault, everything that you've left undone that you wish you had done, that you know you should have done, everything that you wish you had never done, all of the things that haunt you in the back of your mind and the things that you never realized hurt others, all of those things, I've paid for all of them, it's finished. And I'm gonna bring you into the grave with me and raise you to new life so that if you've been raised with me, you're headed where I'm heading. So that if you've been raised with me and are in Christ, you have an imperishable, undefiled, unfading inheritance that I earned that you will receive. And in light of all of that, Peter doesn't turn to the believers and say, earn this. He says, in light of all God has done, friends, set your hope fully in God. Turn away from sin. Turn to the Lord. And friends, this is the only hope for sinners like you and me. We cannot make ourselves holy, but God can make us holy. Friend, if even the stuff that I talked about earlier related to immorality or some other sin that God has convicted you of as we've been talking, if that's on your mind, you need to hear this. Because your application today is not to try to make yourself holy so that God will accept you. 
It's not to be condemned under a weight of, of damnation and guilt. It's not to be paralyzed, unable to act in light of what your sin is. Your application is first to see the hope in Jesus. To see that on the cross, you were purchased, not with perishable things, but with the precious blood of Christ. And to claim and receive the forgiveness of Jesus. I want to encourage you today, if there's something you need to confess, friend, confess it to the Lord, but quickly go to claim his forgiveness in Jesus. Don't hold it out for yourself and think, well, if I do better, then, then maybe I'll be forgiven. No, that's wrong. Today, confess it, receive it in the name of Jesus Christ. So Peter's conclusion is this. Life is short. Eternity is long. Christ is precious. Therefore, turn to Christ today. I want to say one more word about the gospel. If you're not a Christian, maybe you're aware today that you're not a Christian, that you've not put your faith and hope in Jesus. I want to talk to you for a minute. You are likely convicted of something that you've done that you know when you stand before God, you will have words about. I heard a, a pastor say once that um, even if people only took their own moral code, in other words, they didn't even talk about the Ten Commandments, but your own moral code of good things and bad things, things that you should do, things that you should not do, if God judged you by your own moral code, you would still stand condemned. You know why? Because there are all, there, all of us have areas where we know we should not do things and we do them and should do things and we do not do them. And add to that the weight of the law and what it says about us, then we're, we're left going, well, what do we do? Here's what I don't want you to do. If you merely respond from a religious perspective, it means you're going to try to go and get holy enough to be acceptable to God so that he either won't punish you or so that he'll give you what you want. That is crazy. We cannot make ourselves holy. But neither should you just say, well, whatever. I don't care about holiness. I'll figure it out. Well, you're, you're going to care a heck of a lot about it when you stand before God, right? Being a Christian means that you acknowledge that you can't get right with God, but rather than despairing, you look up and see Jesus who by shedding his blood took your sins and bore them and God's punishment for you. So friend, here's what I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you with where Peter ended, to put your faith and hope in God, to say, listen, the stuff of this world has been lying to me. I don't want it anymore. Jesus is the one that I want, and I want to pursue him. And I want to encourage you, believe today. Hope in God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. something that many people have little of, and yet we clamor for the latest this or that, believing that our longing for hope will be fulfilled. Pastor Ricky will be teaching through the book of 1 Peter here on Better News Radio. We'll learn that hope is something that is beyond this world, and that our lives will become holy once we hope in the eternal. For more information, email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. Sometimes it is just easier to call 
Our phone number is 915-562-7100. We'll be happy to help you. Again, that number to call is 915-562-7100. You can learn more about Better News Radio, Cross of Grace Church, and Pastor Ricky at our website, betternewsradio.com. All of Pastor Ricky's messages through the Bible are available to listen to or download for free at betternewsradio.com. That's betternewsradio.com. You'll also find contact information, driving directions to the church, and details about activities and upcoming events on our website. We also encourage you to follow the Better News Radio Twitter feed at Cross of Grace EP, where Ricky tweets additional thoughts about the messages you hear on Better News Radio. Or connect with us on Facebook at Cross of Grace EP. Well, that's all the time we have for today. From all of the production team here at Better News Radio, we want to say thank you for tuning in and please make plans to join us again for the next edition of Better News Radio. Better News Radio.